It must be Thursday. Welcome to Learning Unwrapped, the podcast about your most important life skill, learning. I'm very excited today to reconnect with a woman who, Lord knows, I met about 25 years ago when we were both focusing on technology in schools. And I just happened to stumble upon her. Uh, some of you may have seen in, in tweets from IDE Corp that the Deputy Secretary of Education of the U.S. came out to Princeton Public Schools, and one of the things she wanted to see was our Learner Active Technology-Infused Classroom. So we were very excited about that, and in just doing a little bit more digging around uh, in Princeton to find out all of the players who were there, I suddenly come upon this name, and I'm like, what? So sure enough, as I read more about what this fabulous woman was doing, it mentioned that she had co-founded an organization called CJ Pride, which I believe the original name stands for Central Jersey Pride, but you're going to see they've taken over the world. And so I talked to Rebecca about coming in and talking about this organization that is focused on, it's actually a consortium of schools that is focused on increasing diversity among uh, its employees. And she has brought with her two other fabulous, amazing women who are part of this organization now so that we could all get together and talk about the importance of diversity in the workplace and how you go about getting there. So first of all, let me give you a little bit more background on my first guest here because Rebecca Gold, in addition to being the co-founder of CJ Pride, is also the interim assistant superintendent of human resources for the Princeton Public Schools. As I told you, that's how I found her. So please welcome Rebecca to the podcast. Hello, everybody. Delightful to be with you all today. So fun to have you here. I cannot believe. And by the way, I realize this is a podcast, but we're we're uh, on video right now. And I could just say that, you know, Rebecca and I really look as good as we did 25 years ago. Right, hon? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so I was so excited about this organization that you founded. Um, tell us a little bit more about it, about CJ Pride. And what was your inspiration? How did it get started and when? Thank you so much, Nancy. CJ Pride is a large consortium today, but when we started, there were eight school districts from the Mercer County area of New Jersey. Lou Goldstein was in Princeton as the HR person. Alicia Boyko was in West Windsor and I was in Lawrence. And we realized that we were struggling to diversify our teams at that point. So we formed an organization and CJ Pride stands for Central to Jersey Program for the Recruitment of Diverse Educators. I love and that. It, it, it was just... How long did it take to come up with the acronym? I don't remember. Generally, I come up with my best acronyms in the middle of the night, so I'm not sure. But we got together and we would meet three or four times a year. We really started with eight to ten members but we found that meeting together as a group, we can get our best ideas, share things. And most of us were in similar positions trying to diversify our teams. And we had a giant job fair once a year. We would get hundreds and hundreds of people. And the nice part about our job fair was you skipped paper screening. You went right into the job fair and you would be meeting with a decision maker. And then they would do follow-up interviews. So over the years, we have grown. And since our start, 
We are now central to Jersey, not just central Jersey. We cover the state. And currently we have over 62 districts and districts join and become part of this wonderful group. We still meet. We have uh, grown 675% since 2002. And in the last five years, we have done incredible things, as you're going to hear as we move through the morning. That's awesome. I, I'm, again, so excited because I had not heard of the organization. Well, I've, I'm not working as, a, for instance, in a school district in the human resources area. So perhaps it wouldn't necessarily come to my attention, but I, I'm glad that it did. So thanks for that background. And I, I want to move over now because we're actually going to have uh, three of us all together on this conversation. My, my next guest that I'm bringing in is the Director of Human Resources and the Affirmative Action Officer for the West Windsor Plainsboro Regional School District. Additionally, she holds the title of President for CJ Pride, a former teacher, reading specialist, staff developer, supervisor, and current Central Office Administrator. Charity has attained more than 20 years experience, though she doesn't look that old, in public education. So please welcome Charity to the podcast. Oh, well... Thank you so much. And good morning. Good morning. And, and just give us a little background. How did you uh, decide or were chosen or whatever to take on the presidency of this great organization? Well, I started in West Windsor Plainsboro uh, Regional Schools as the Assistant Director of Human Resources. And Alicia Boyko, as Rebecca mentioned earlier, was the director. And I got to tag along and come to the CJ Pride meetings that were held in the West Windsor Plainsboro schools. So it was great to sit in with this group. And at that time, there was about 13 or 14 different districts. And I was there um, actively participating and listening to the conversations and was fascinated by um, what they were doing and, and planning for you know an annual job fair each year. So I know that when we think about diversity and and we too, as a company, that's high on our list when we're talking about recruitment. And when people think about diversity, they often talk about racial diversity, cultural diversity, gender, gender identity. Um, but I know that uh, at CJ Pride, you guys hold a broader view of what diversity could look like in a school district or organization. So talk to us more about that. You know, absolutely. That's such a, that's such a great um, point to bring up. You know, we noticed when we were a smaller consortium that how we marketed for our job fair each year was we were trying to figure out what should we say? Should we say we're looking for, you know, minority candidates? Well, we didn't like the word minority. It just seemed to have some kind of connotation to it. Should we say we're looking for, you know, how, how do we how do we market ourselves to get more candidates to come? And the conversation evolved as, you know, diversity is a very, very broad term because for some of us, we had no male teachers in our some of our elementary schools. And for some of us, we really were looking for world language teachers. We needed bilingual, multilingual people, maybe people who've studied abroad. And for others, it was, I actually need some staff with experience, you know. So while um, our racial or ethnic, ethnic backgrounds um, definitely was one way that we can see perhaps some diversity. We understood that we needed to think about diversity in a much broader terms because really at the end of the day, we want to have representation of 
all of us as diverse as we are. And as we grew as a consortium in CJ Pride and we started to add more and more districts with more and more perspectives and, and needs and backgrounds and experiences, we became um, better and better as a unit. And so we considered the fact that when we go to do and recruit, we should be looking for what's reflected in ourselves. We should look for variety. We should be looking for diversity in experience, diversity in age. It could be diversity in um, your, what languages you speak, where you went to school, all of that should play in, but certainly we should be focusing on the, the huge um, differences that we noticed with how different our teaching staff look from our students. Um, so that, that, of course, has been the primary focus. Representation matters. Absolutely. Um, and it's, it's very difficult when you are trying to uh, attract diverse candidates, and I know we as an educational consulting firm, we're dealing with the same thing. We want to be able to send to districts um, consultants that reflect the world and the district and can make those connections with the students, et cetera. So you guys are taking on huge work. And I want to jump over to just introduce our third speaker today, and then we'll just keep bouncing back and forth. But the next person I'm adding to the conversation is currently the Assistant Superintendent of Human Resources in East Windsor Regional School District. She has spent over 20 years in education, serving as a teacher, principal, administrator. Her love for education and desire to support students and staff has led her to her current position in HR and as the treasurer of CJ Pride. This is the money lady. So please welcome Erin Servillo. Thank you, Nancy. I'm so happy to be here and be a represent representative of CJ Pride, such a wonderful organization. Thank you. Uh, again, I'm really struck and I'm excited to be able to talk more about the organization. Uh, I would say from, well, from what I know already that um, CJ Pride started, I'm, I'm going to call it selfishly because Rebecca, back in the day, you guys were pretty much saying like, we need to help one another. You know, we need to all toss all of our ideas on the table as to how we attract more diverse candidates and hire more diverse candidates. But now, uh, Central to Jersey Pride, because I love that switch kind of shift in the name, you guys are a big, bigger player on the whole policy front. So what was the pathway there that got this organization growing beyond a group of administrators trying to help one another? Sure. So as Rebecca said, when we started, we were a small consortium and our main focus was to have a job fair. So we would have a job fair every year and try to attract diverse candidates. Then as we evolved and most importantly, after charity, quite frankly, took the, the helm, we really started to expand exponentially. And now we have, uh, as Rebecca said, candidates and districts from all over the state of New Jersey. So when we started to meet together and really support each other in our quest to diversify our staff, we really started to look at how we can take a bigger view of making an impact on our candidates and attracting, how can we attract candidates to New Jersey? How can we bring candidates to back home who may have left New Jersey to go to university? and how we can really diversify our staff. 
and that led us to the development of several subcommittees. So each of our members is required to join at least one subcommittee and we meet on a regular basis and really try and improve the professional practices of the human resources department and how to diversify our staff. So that led us to one of our subcommittees, for example, is a legislation committee. And we really started to see a need in making changes to the onboarding of teachers into New Jersey. So for example, it's quite challenging to become a teacher in New Jersey. And you have to do all of these things. You have to graduate from college, of course. You have to pass assessments. You have to have a certain grade point average. You have to do a, a, a practicum. And all of those things started, we started to notice some of them were barriers to bring in diversified staff. We would contact historically black colleges and universities and try to lure students to come up back to New Jersey, and then we would barrage them with all of these requirements. So our committee really started to look at what changes- So Erin, so you're saying that New Jersey has even more requirements than many of the other states. Than many of the other states, yes. Okay. So you can be fully certified in another state in the country and then come to New Jersey and not have an easy path to getting certified in New Jersey. So we saw that as a problem. How can we bring people back to New Jersey? So we started to have conversations at our CJ Pride meetings um, with each other. And then we invited the Department of Education. And we had conversations with the Department of Education and would tell them what our issues were and make suggestions of how we can change that. And then we started to uh, call local legislators and our subcommittee um, really is doing a fantastic job at contacting legislators and having discussions and looking at statewide policy. And we've been able to make some changes. There are a couple of bills that are in the House and Senate of New Jersey right now that directly affect teacher and teacher certification. And those conversations started with CJ Pride. We started those conversations. So we're really moving to a bigger picture of how we can not only help each other as we started with how can we just hire more people to how can we make changes that are long lasting in the state of New Jersey to improve the state of education uh, as a whole. How would you say, and I'll, I'll toss this question over to Charity, um, president of CJ Pride. How would you say COVID has affected you all as administrators trying to bring more diverse staff into the into the schools because that was a challenge to begin with and then covid hit us and brought a hundred more challenges absolutely so we have another five hours to talk about that right <laughs> <laughs> so um understandably covid has really been a game changer and has um made things much more difficult with increasing staff shortages it's just uh, in general, the workforce has dwindled. You know, we used to have substitutes. You know, my district, we would have three to 400 substitutes that we could call. We, we manage our own subs. And, you know, we got down to much less than 150 maybe, you know, and, and became much more competitive with other districts. So that's been a challenge is just in general. And a lot of those positions are our support roles. You know, it could be our cafeteria aides, it's our bus drivers. It's the those that are right there doing hands-on with the kids, right with them. 
um, interaction. It's been just so challenging to find those positions. And of course, trying to find teachers and that and that sort of thing has had really, really been challenging. But one thing that has been a good thing, I think, that's come out of the whole thing with the pandemic for CJ Pride is that it forced us to continue to think creatively about what are we going to do? We can't have our big job fair. We can't have everybody coming together and shaking hands and everything shut down. What are we going to do? And I remember specifically talking to Rebecca and Aaron, having to make a decision uh, in small groups, like the job fair is in a few weeks. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And we very quickly pivoted to the concept of virtual recruiting. And we pivoted. We went to a virtual recruitment platform, which ended up being something that amazed us because we started to track our attendees who came to the fair. And we noticed that all of a sudden, instead of only those who could get to Mercer County, New Jersey on that one particular day, once a year, now all of a sudden, those who attended our virtual fair came from all over. I mean, we, we had a map of the United States and it was like far reaching. It was California, it was everywhere. And some of our candidates were international. So as, as a consortium, when we looked at the data after our first virtual events, we were shocked and amazed because we realized that this might be a way around some of those challenges that we've been experiencing with trying to get access to people, you know? So that's been one thing I will say that it has been a shining light for CJ Pride is that it's allowed us to reach a greater area or cast our net, should I say, very, very far. And it's also helped us get our membership increase because a lot of districts were like, well, I'm, I'm all the way up in North Jersey or I'm way, way, way down in the tip of New Jersey. I can't drive to West Windsor for meetings. But since we started hosting monthly Zoom meetings, uh, it's fantastic because we have access to each other. And from while being able to stay within our districts and manage our, our offices. So there's been a benefit to it as much as there's been a lot of headache. Um, and we've been really able to push our work forward. What we are trying to remember to do, though, is to not lose um, focus on the importance of diversifying our staff, even though we're having such shortages across all of our districts. We still have to remember that we have to look as far as we can and try to make sure that our candidate pools have representation of all types of candidates so that we can bring the most variety to our students when we do make the decision to hire. I love that you made that point because that's my concern that while districts right now are struggling to just fill teacher seats, we could revert back to just bring anyone in, just get, you know, get here. And then we lose sight of, of that um, representation matters. And I love that you referred to pivot because um, for those of you listening, if you weren't a friends fan, you have to go and Google the friends episode of pivot because it is such a wonderful visual <laughs> for, for suddenly dealing with, this is not working, you know, like what do we need to do? And I remember that uh, when, schools all first closed, we were a, we consider ourselves a boutique consulting firm for those who truly want to innovate. And we were all in person. And so when uh, the schools closed, schools, of course, were saying, well, I don't know what we're going to do with you. And I remember I pulled my team together and said, you know, hang on, like we're out on rough seas now, but essentially we are going to pivot and we reinvented ourselves. We're doing a lot of 
remote consulting. We have developed some uh, amazing, if I do say so myself, virtual products. You know, we've really, uh, it caused us to have to likewise rethink, be creative. And I remember one of the sessions that we had developed for teachers was that as they were moving, you know, we've, we've done a lot of work on diversity and culturally responsive, sustaining education in schools that were uh, when we were live and in person. And we found that as we pivoted to offline and working with teachers who were now not in their physical classrooms, one of the things teachers were struggling to do was create kind of still a culture of a classroom. And if you remember the Bitmoji classrooms that people would design, right? But we pointed out that while you work so hard to have representation in your physical classroom, it was very easy to get caught up in, oh, well now it's a, I need a Bitmoji classroom and let me like fill my classroom. And we were pointing out to teachers, how representative is your Bitmoji classroom? So suddenly there's that thought of, we just can in our, you know, in our effort to survive, we can't lose track of the fact that representation matters. And I think that is a really important point that you made. Erin, I'm going to come back to you as the treasurer. I know yes. that you have a program about growing your own scholarship. Is that is that what you call it? Yeah, so that's a, a, a new and exciting part of our uh, subcommittee system. Uh, one of our subcommittees, we have several subcommittees, and one of the subcommittees is a scholarship committee. So we have now have a scholarship program that is competitive and students from various districts, uh, member districts can apply for a scholarship. The purpose of the scholarship is to support diverse candidates in high school who want to become teachers. So we're really looking at supporting their first year in college, uh, become diverse teachers, go to university, and we're going to track them over the years to see if they complete their college. And then we're all offering interviews upon graduation so that they have a nice cushion to be able to get in and get an entree into any of our districts, right? So we all agreed that we would interview them and bring them into the opportunity to become teachers. So it's really an interesting opportunity to really grow our own and hopefully we'll be able to increase the scholarships as time goes on through our consortium and offer more students the opportunities to become teachers. That's really powerful and, and forward thinking, Erin, because it's one thing to say we need to attract teachers from you know the, the group that we have, but we have fewer high school students going into the teaching profession. And so being able to go all the way back there and say, like, let's start cultivating the next group of teachers. I, I know people were talking in the business world in general, but particularly in teaching about the fact that so many teachers were quitting. But I think when we look at it, I don't think as many teachers are quitting as they are retiring. You know, the baby boomer generation, you could have either stretched a few more years, you know, or you could just say, okay, I've had enough. I don't want to deal with this. So talk to me about that. Rebecca, I'll come back to you. Are you finding more, and, and all of you can join in, that it's been more of a matter of people not quitting to another profession necessarily, but that we've had a lot of retirements. So baby yes. boomers were huge in, in terms of the generation size. Nancy, you're absolutely right, Nancy. I love when you what, say that, Rebecca. <laughs> what, what, the, what the pandemic did to us 
was it pushed people who were staying. They had enough years to retire. They were very happy. They love what they do. Teachers, educators are a devoted group of people. They love their work. They love doing these things. And then all of a sudden they said, you know what? That's it, enough. A lot of them took care, were caregivers for parents or their parents took care of their children while they worked. And all of a sudden now we lost all those people who could not go near the kids, go near um, the older people that they were taking care of because they worked in a school and they were afraid to bring something home. So at the same time, all these people were pushed. They weren't ready, but they said, you know what? I have enough years, time for me to go. And we had a huge amount of retirements. It was across the field. It was not just the teachers who were ready to retire. Some people said, you know what? I have enough years in, I'm going. It's just not worth my health. And that started at the beginning of the pandemic and went through. So yes, retirements were a way for people to finish their career and not have to worry about their additional health concerns. And that, believe it or not, was built then upon what Charity mentioned and Erin mentioned, the lack of substitutes who would not come in the building because at that time we didn't have the vaccine programs we have today and there was a lot more uncertainty involved. We lost our subs, we lost the bus drivers, we lost custodians, we lost teachers, we lost administrators. And so hopefully we're coming back up now and pulling people back in and hopefully this will have an effect on uh, getting more people back. We have a great vaccine program. The numbers are down, thank goodness. So we're hoping for more good things to happen. And one of the best things that happened that we're talking about is the use of virtual. Okay. Right. We never would have gotten to virtual if not for this. And right. the one-to-one initiative for all of our students and our staff was incredible. We managed to do it in three months as opposed to years. So all of those were some very good things in a very bad situation. And I know, Rebecca, for you and me, that's near and dear to our hearts because we would have had schools one-to-one back in the 70s. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) One-to-one TRS 80s, uh, you know, uh, but it was like getting, realizing that we actually forged a partner with Logitech who sold a lot of technology over the past couple of years and realized that they needed to add a professional development aspect to that. So we designed an online program for them that pairs with their equipment that teachers can have this resource. We call them our self-paced online professional learning experiences. We developed one in conjunction with Logitech because even the tech powerhouses are realizing we need to pivot because so much technology was purchased. What now? And um, I know that's something that you and I both love. And the fact that as you were all saying that, that we could make this pivot to more virtual, be able to have meetings virtually. Um, we actually downsized our office because everyone is working. If they're not in a school, then they're working at home. And we use this program and a platform I absolutely love called GatherTown, which is a 3D virtual environment. So we all run around GatherTown as little avatars and you can literally walk up to someone else's desk and as you get close to them, the camera comes on and the microphone comes on so you can talk with them and see them. And as you walk away, it goes away. It literally mirrors what it would be like to be together. So it might be fun to do a virtual job fair in Gathertown. Just saying. Uh, 
Charity, I'm, I'm pivoting back over to you as the president here. I know that, you know, and I think playing off what Rebecca just said, this whole idea of dealing with the retirements, we would have been there in the world of education anyway, five years from now. We can't necessarily blame it all on COVID. I think COVID was that instigator, but we still would have been trying to make up for that baby boomer exodus. But now we're just, you know, it's now we're dealing with it in the moment a little bit early. And I know that with COVID and even before that, over the past five years, your organization itself has become a much more diverse organization. Talk to us more about that. What's what, what's been happening in CJ Pride over the last five years or so? Well, it, you know, Rebecca, you remind me of so many, so many uh, challenges that have been happening simultaneously. It's almost like all there's so many good things that have happened, but it's also alongside of some challenges that are new and nuanced. The last 15 years in education has been really, really, really difficult in general to recruit teachers because it's just not the same as it was when I started teaching many years ago. Going into teaching is much more demanding. Uh, the onset of social media and everyone sort of having an opinion on your performance as an educator and expecting an answer immediately, immediately, immediately. And there's been a vilification of it that's happened also of educators where, you know, everyone's out there and they're the judgment really of teachers is out there too. So it's sort of had such an impact on, on people saying, I don't know if I want to do this. Even teachers are not necessarily encouraging their own children to go into education because they're like, you know, it's just, you know, it's not like it was when I started and, you know, there's been changes to the pension system and there's all kinds of things that have happened to sort of de-incentivize people to go into education. So we have those challenges alongside, but we also have all of these other resources, the benefits of having technology and um, unification together. So it's almost like a double-edged um, double sword that, um, that we've been trying to figure out how should, we, how should we sort of angle ourselves. And I think that we've timed it well, particularly in the past five years, in that looking, what we do really well, I think in CJ Pride is that we assess what's happening. We look at data, we look at our candidate pools, we really analyze the trends of what we see happening. And we have these discussions about what's going on. And then we try to be very strategic about what we're going to do. So about five years ago, when I became the president, we had, and we started to really expand more and more, we started to allow more districts to join us we said, well, what are we going to, what really is what we want to do? What is our mission? And, and if it's still making sure that we bring in diverse um, candidates, why are we doing that? And how, how are we going to do that? Which led to the subcommittee formation that Aaron mentioned. But it's also been important to hold ourselves accountable by having monthly meetings and by talking about these things and having these critical conversations and paying attention to what's happening in the news and what's happening in the government and what's happening in the educator workforce in general and becoming advocates, getting ourselves, having a seat at the table, that's really been um, a focus for us because then we can continue to meet the needs of our, of our candidates. We do expect all of our districts that are in the consortium to work on they're on the mission together with us. We don't have a, uh, a group that just comes and sits down and learns about the new resources and talks about diversity. We really do advocate and go out there 
and um, come back and talk about it at every single meeting, every discussion. We have a follow up on it. We just held a job fair last week and uh, well attended for our 62 districts. And we're meeting next Friday to talk about the data that we are going to pull from how many candidates actually logged in, how many districts actually interviewed, how many people were actually seen, what were the applications like, do we have more diverse candidates in this round? Those kinds of questions are are asked so that we can diagnose, figure out what we should do, and then go forward, you know, with an even more direct approach. It's just so powerful, everything that you're doing at CJ Pride. And now that you talked about the fact that you're virtual. Are you saying that school districts could join because your meetings are and will remain virtual or there will be always a virtual aspect? I think having a virtual option for instruction or a virtual option for meetings is wonderful to add to your goals. And so because of our size and I anticipate will be, I have 20 more districts that right now are in the works for joining So I anticipate that by September we'll be about 85 school districts and maybe more coming into, you know, I think we'll hit a hundred before we know it. We do need to consider, keep the virtual aspect of meetings. And I think there will be, even with in-person meetings, there will be the ability for some to have a, a, a virtual connection. We we've been already developing technology. We've been having meetings that are hybrid right now. Mm -hmm. I think that we'll continue that because that is a resource, but there really is no replacement for the complexity of the human interaction. right? Right. Right. So that's why the idea of just going to a straight virtual teacher is really not something anyone is, is thinking about exclusively because teachers are not just one dimension. There's something about being, um, in the presence of another human being where you have the ability to say something's not right. Something's happening with this child. There is some, I don't know if this child's eating. I can tell by a small shift in, in eye movement that there's, you know, teachers can tell all of that with body language. Mm-hmm. They can tell based on a person's mannerisms, how they're acting in the classroom, their voice. It's really hard to do that if you're only using one modality for assessment, having an option to reach you know, through like a a virtual platform is wonderful, but it shouldn't be the only. And I believe that'll be the same for our CJ Pride meetings. We will have our full group meetings and make sure all of our members have access to everything the group has. But we definitely will have more in-person meetings and probably more of a conference style, full day professional development offerings for our our members so that we can learn together going forward. As I was saying before, we, we were able to now start hiring people from around the country. Um, and we have assembled a team of, of what we call our design consultants who spend a lot of time designing our products now, because that's a whole new arena for us. I mean, in terms of what we're offering, we are bringing them all in next week, flying everybody in. We rented a nice big house out on Lake Hapatkong so that they can all get together for a retreat. And everybody's looking forward to it. So I definitely think that that's powerful. But we we work so well in, in Gathertown, as I mentioned, and I'd be happy to give any of you a tour because I think about how we, we go. We have a an office and then we have a beach area so that we can go and sit out mm. on the beach and 
We have people who have literally designed their offices out on the beach with couches and plants and animals, wow. and everything else. And then we have a castle. As a matter of fact, the Wall Street Journal did an article talking about our use of Gathertown. And I think the subtitle was, the boss would like to see you in her castle. <laughs> and then we have a, then there's a plenary area. We have an auditorium and we do retreats. And then we also have a bar lounge because that's, you know, oftentimes if you want to find Nancy, she's sitting at the bar so you can come in and talk to me during the day <laughs> over there. And uh, I'm forgetting there's another place because we have a cafeteria. It's amazing the way this company has put it together, but you literally are running around with your avatar. And post COVID, we decided we needed to do something to bring the team back together. And they were so drained from being on Zoom all the time that we did this fall two-day retreat in Gathertown. And it was funny, I was talking to one of my colleagues who is nearly as old as I am. And she said, this was so amazing because you didn't get the same Zoom fatigue because you really were just you know, moving around all day. And I said to her, quite honestly, you haven't moved your fat ass off your chair all day because we've just been sitting here. And we laughed so hard. And she's like, but it feels like you're moving around. <laughs> and it does. So now, you know, you guys have me thinking, because I think it'd be fun to do a job fair in Gathertown, you know? So uh, yeah. if, you're, if you're interested, I'll show it to you. Absolutely. But um, yeah. let's, so I'm curious, Rebecca, tell me more about, you talk a lot about these consortium-based job fairs and you guys have talked about interviewing the teachers. How does it work that you are not scratching one another's eyes out for the candidates? Like how, how do you all play well in the sandbox together or do you? That comes from the tone that the group sets and the tone that the group sets is that we know that if we are going to be professional and we are going to attract a lot of people to New Jersey. It's not just to Princeton. It's not just to West Windsor. It's not just to East Windsor or Trenton or Cape May or, or any, any other place. It's for all of us. So once you put that in your head and you work on the mandate in your mind that what is successful for one will be successful for all of us, we have never ever had exactly that kind of mindset that, oh, no, I'm going to a job fair and I'm only going to recruit for me. In fact, I am so honored and proud to work with this group because I can call up anyone and say, you have a math teacher? I need a math teacher. Or say, you know what? We have a decline in a number of students in this class. I have a great Spanish teacher. Anybody need somebody? She'd like to stay in this area. Um, please, she's incredible. So we have learned, and this goes back to kindergarten, but we put it in play now, that sharing is best, that when you bring everybody together, you get the best ideas and you get the best viewpoints. It is the most professional group. There is a camaraderie in this group that I am thrilled to be a part of, that everybody cares Yes, it would be nice if I can find somebody, but if I can't, maybe you need this person or maybe you have somebody that you can recommend. And we found that helping each other helps the entire group and helps all of us. It starts from the president on down through all our members, and that's the mindset. We're not in there to say, okay, I'm going to take this person because my favorite line is, you're going to see us tomorrow and the next day. We're not going away. And so we really want to work together. And it has worked 
extremely well. I, it's such a credit to all of you and back to the founders to create that kind of a culture, because I think that is so important. We're all in this together, you know, throughout New Jersey, throughout the United States, throughout the world, trying to figure out what's next for the, the teaching world. Let me ask a question of each of you so that our listeners can get a better understanding of the wonderful women that I'm speaking with today. I, I'm going to avoid using the term young, young Nancy. I'll just say bright and shiny Nancy coming out of college. When bright and shiny Nancy was coming out of college, my first position in school was as a fourth grade teacher. And obviously I've done a lot of other things. And then my next steps, when I think about what do I want to do next? I feel like I am really working hard at propelling this work that I do on designing student-driven classrooms to a world, to a global uh, stage, because now we don't need to be a boutique consulting firm anymore. We actually could take on a much broader stage. So that's where I'm headed. So Rebecca, I'm going to go back to you. Where did bright and shiny Rebecca first start in the school system? Bright and shiny Rebecca started also as a fourth grade teacher in Sunset Park, Brooklyn, New York. And I learned from my very first year, I could not survive alone in that classroom. I needed the help of my colleagues next door. I needed the help and guidance of the leaders of the building. And I learned that karma is very funny. When you do something good for people, it comes right back at you. And most of all, the professionalism that my colleagues show me and all our colleagues in education show and share and work together. The perfect example, Nancy, Erin was speaking about um, our group and the work with the state uh, legislators. Okay, When we won, that worked for everybody. When they allowed us to change the rules of how we hire, how we bring back people who are retired, that those are things that worked for every single district. So I think that you learn very quickly that you survive based on the fact that your colleagues and friends are there to support you, help you. And here it is so many years later, and CJ Pride is what keeps us all afloat. Usually, if you think about it, Nancy, there's only one HR person in the building. There's only one in a district. You can't even go next door like you did as a teacher and say, oh, can you help me? So that camaraderie and that professionalism has helped so many on people new to the position, people who are experienced. And it's just you live and do well with the help of others. And that's that's key. So are you opening up the organization to, uh, you know, people in California? I turned that to our esteemed president. Charity. So we've been asked, um, we've gotten so much um, notice, especially in the last two years, I'd say. Five years, we've really grown, but we've inspired quite a bit of um, talk from neighboring states. Uh, we actually had somebody, a district from Pennsylvania reached out and said, can we be part of it? You know, we've had lots of, we've had charter schools. Right now, we're only open to public schools. We've had charter schools try to join us. We've had organizations out of state or school districts out of state that maybe when they worked in New Jersey, remembered the experience and now want to try to be part of it still in the other state. So, right, right. but um, go big or go home. Yeah. I mean, Aaron, uh, 
reminds me that when we when we present at national conferences, most other states in this country are like unified school districts. They're these huge districts yeah. that cover yeah. so much territory. New Jersey has all these little broken up cookie crumb dish. You know, it's like tiny little pieces that all do things differently. But is and- that really how you want to describe the state? Well, <laughs> I like cookies, so I yeah, I me too, me too. But you, so, you're absolutely right because in those larger county-wide districts, there actually is an entire team of HR people. So yeah, right. and there's much more, more uniformity in in policy. So I think our work in CJ Pride is making us more uniform across the state Agreed. in the mission, right? But then we're realizing we're changing our aim instead of doing what those little individual districts were doing, which was almost hiring a type, you know, it was like, oh, we're going to hire someone like us. You know, we, we're just going to duplicate ourselves over and over and over and over and over and over again. So we've been trying to break that mindset. So we're trying to make the districts more uniform in their, in their general approach, but to now look at their candidates instead of always as being the same, but to look at them differently. Like really let's look at, instead of trying to replicate the same type of person over and over again. Let's try to look for variety. Right. So that's been really our, our work. It's been dual. It's right, been right. more uniformity, but also more diversity. So I digressed over onto that question, but Rebecca, back to you. What's next for you? Where are you headed next on the diversity front? I have been so fortunate to see this organization grow. And I know under our leadership, it's growing more and more, as Charity said, when you start with eight people and you get to see it grow to 60 to 80 to 100, you know that you are doing something that's most importantly helping kids, helping communities, helping families. I am so excited to see what the next couple of years is going to bring for this incredible group for our mission and what we're trying to do because what we do affects everybody, parents, communities, students, our own staff, and our own wonderful working together for the good of education in general. Strap on those seatbelts. It's going to be an amazing, amazing ride. And we have the right people in the car with us. Wonderful. Thank you. Wonderful. And Erin, uh, where did... Where did bright and shiny Erin first start in the field of education? So bright and shiny Erin started, I'm in special education. And my first job was in a high school for students, an alternative setting for students that have some behavioral and emotional challenges. And it was very challenging because special education students Uh, in New Jersey are permitted to attend school until they're 21. And when I graduated college, I was 21. (laughs) So my very first job, I taught seniors who were 18, 19, 20 years old, you know, so it's just very interesting. So it it was an illuminating position for me. So I started out in special education my entire career was in special education in administration. I worked at special education schools. I worked for special education districts. And then I went into human resources, you know, a hundred years later, I wound up in human resources. (laughs) And what's next for you? What's next on the horizon? So next for me 
is really working with my district. The, the next thing that I'm really excited about is expanding our equity program in my district. So it's really taking some of the work that I work in with CJ Pride in really focusing on diversifying our staff and taking that with an equity lens to everything else we do in district. So I lead my equity team in district. We have a lot of work that we're doing, um, really looking at opening up opportunities for all students in district. So that's where I'm kind of focusing my work now. The HR component is an integral part of that because we really want to diversify our staff because there's so much research on not only children seeing themselves in the classroom, but children seeing differences in the classroom, you know, and that's really vitally important. So our white students really need to see diverse staff as well. You know, they get just as much out of it from uh, as students seeing themselves of color. We also really need to diversify. And in all of the ways that Charity spoke much earlier in our conversation, really diversifying in, in many, many different areas. And that leads us to the world of equity and really opening up opportunities for everybody. So that's my next, that's where we're working on now. That's where I love am. It. Love it. And it's so important to, I, I love that comment that your white students too, if you were in a district that's predominantly white, they need to see a worldview. They and do. we need to be able to bring that to them. Yes, they do. So Charity, where did Bright and Shiny Charity start her career in the world of education? Oh my goodness. It feels like, it feels much longer ago. But yeah, I started in Philadelphia. I went to uh, college at Temple University. And I, I always knew I wanted to be a teacher since I was little. I've been teaching my dolls and teaching every other person in my round of influence teaching since I was born pretty much. But um, I grew up knowing that. But I started in, uh, in Northeast Philadelphia. I was student teaching in Northeast. Now there's a lot of differences in Philadelphia. It's like 260 schools. It's very, very large in the areas, depending on where, you know, your experience in a school could change tremendously, even though the, the district is so huge, you know, the demographics could change and everything. So I started in a Northeastern school and did all my student teaching there. And then had to go uh, select a school down, you had to go down to like city hall and pick what school you're going to work, you know, for the next school year. And they had certain schools that you could pick. And some of them said African-American only. And some of them said, you know, you can pick here. Well, I'm biracial. So I didn't know what I was allowed to pick. I didn't know if I was allowed to be classified as African-American only or not. And it was really um, challenging for me because I didn't, I never really knew where I sort of should fit, but most people would just say, oh, you, you know, you're, you're one of the white teachers, so you can't pick those schools. So mm. I ended up having to pick um, a school that was more down in North Philadelphia near Temple and um, had, had a wonderful experience there, but it was much different than the experience I had when I was doing student teaching up in the Northeast. And I was there for about three years and really, really learned to teach really learned how to teach um, just because, but I wasn't, it was more of an urban environment. I didn't grow up in an urban environment. I learned how to, uh, to sort of overcome some of the different challenges I had. And then I, I went to New Jersey and I was a teacher in East Brunswick for a long time and became an administrator and, and so on and so forth. The biggest change for me was I had grown up as a foster child. I had this 
diverse background in myself, you know, looking like so many different nationalities myself. So I noticed as a teacher that students would identify with me depending on, you know, what they assumed about me. So there would be some years where students would say, oh, I love my teacher because she's Egyptian, just like me. And I'm, I'm not Egyptian, but the students really thought that I looked so much like them right. that they they would respond to me. Or if I would read a story about a child who was adopted and I would say, oh, I was a foster child or I was adopted. I would get certain students that would just completely open up and respond. And it, it was like all of this background that I had that maybe was a little different from some of my colleagues became like a superpower for me. It, it yeah. ended up being like I could talk to some students or re, some students would relate to me because I was bringing something to the conversation that maybe the other teachers didn't. So that has been with me um, ever since. And, um, and it's wonderful to, to work with colleagues that are like minded, you know, even though they may not have the same. They, you know, they're, they're with me kind of trying to give students the same experiences that, that I have. And what's next for charity? You know, I'm very, very proud. That's why I love the name CJ pride. Um, I'm very proud of CJ pride. I'm, I plan to stay um, involved in this organization as much as possible going forward in whatever role that is. I was honored to be the president and have been the president, but whether I was the president or not, I definitely want to stay committed to this work within the the principles that we've been learning from it within my own districts, wherever I'm working, I think in my district specifically, uh, my focus is going to be retention because we've been doing a lot of work to bring in diverse mm. staff. We have mm -hmm. diversified. I mean, I'm so proud of how our new hires are coming in and I'm so proud to watch um, some of our, our candidates that couldn't even get, a, couldn't someone to look at their application a few years ago. Now they're being fought over. Oh, well, East Windsor is trying to hire me. And I'm like, you don't want to go to Aaron. You want to come to me. Oh, <laughs> Princeton is trying to hire me. No, don't go to Princeton. Come over here. And it's wonderful to see all of these uh, candidates being sort of struggled over. So, but what happens sometimes is we bring them in and then we just expect them to fit into that mold of, this right, is what right. a teacher is like here. And if, if we're, we're not still, we're still working towards diversity. So what kinds of things are we doing to retain our staff, to keep our staff wanting to stay working in our schools? Because we're still having some issues, I think, across the board in yeah. all of our districts. In, and uh, we're doing better with recruiting, but we need to focus now on what are we doing to retain. Yeah, I, I recently did a, a Zoom session, opened it up to administrators on that very question, like how, how do we promote retention once we have everybody in? I was actually thinking of writing my next book on that, but I think I've pivoted and I'm going over to PBL. Uh, so I don't know, stay tuned. We'll see which, which, which the, the next one is the seventh book. So that's gotta be special, right? So wow. Something that comes out. When we talk about Nancy, when we talk about retention, when you look at some of the studies, it's not about money. People want to be yeah. in a place where they're appreciated, where they're supported. Everything we just spoke about that we're doing with CJ Pride, they want in their schools. They want in their districts. They yeah. want to know that the work they do is needed. It's, it's people see what they're doing. They acknowledge it. They want to, ha they want to have camaraderie, not have competitions. And they want to work for the families and they want to work with the students. Years ago, if we were having this discussion, it would be, well, what is your salary guide and how much are you paying? 
you look at it now and whether it's based on the last number of years when everything we went through or it's a different generation, you basically see that they are looking for much more than money. Of course, money mm -hmm. is important. But what you are seeing right now that you're looking at people who have been together for years, we know we can count on each other. That is worth more than anything that a district can offer you. And if you're in a district, you need that within your building. So that's huge. And that's a big shift from what we have been brought up over the years, what we've experienced. It was always money, 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 money. Who's What, what is your step one? What are you paying? Oh, you're doing tuition reimbursement? What is this? But there's so much more. And that, again, may be one of the positive side effects of a horrible couple of years with illness in that we now appreciate so many all so many other wonderful things that it's may have more been about the culture. Of yes. The, you know, I get the job, but then when I get there and I realize, oh, this is kind of a toxic culture or they're not engaging and empowering me or then exactly. I'm to move on. And back when uh, Rebecca, you and I were, were starting to teach, you got once you got tenure, that was it. You were there for life. There was never a question that you would give up tenure to go elsewhere. But today's faculty members are fearless. But of course, they'll leave to go to the next, the next, the next, and and advance their career and their, you know, where they're going to work, what the culture is, et cetera. And obviously, we as as professional development providers, we talk a lot about how do you create a culture of professional learning so that teachers feel constantly inspired and that they feel like they're constantly growing because that's important today. All right, so let's unwrap the learning about diversity in education. What is one tip that you could offer school district administrators for achieving greater diversity in their faculty? Charity, let me start with you. Hmm. One tip I would say is recruit. When you recruit, don't assume. A lot of times in education, we it's, it's all about who you know. Oh, I know somebody who knows the principal or, oh, I'm the neighbor of the so-and-so. And it's a lot of times it's, you know, it's people get into, into positions because of knowing somebody or having some kind of connection. Maybe they were the student teacher in that school. Maybe they their parent was a, parent, a teacher in that school. Now they're going to be a teacher in that school. It can make it really easy for a district to just wait for the candidates to come to them. But I think that the tip has to be that you have to cast your net. You have to look in places where you might, you know, it might be a little bit harder for you, but you, instead, you can't just put a posting up and wait for people to apply to it. You need to think about what do I need in my school or in my department what are the characteristics and the attributes that I need? And then go try to find that person, not based on your personal connections, but based on where that person might be. So I recruit is my, is my. And, and I'll add the adjective actively recruit, like get in there and make it happen. That's right. Awesome. Erin, what tip would you offer? My tip would be for administrators to examine the data that they have in district. Examine, take a look at your demographics, take a look at your staff demographics, take a look at the demographics of people who are applying and who gets an interview. And sometimes the results are surprising. 
Um, and it and it forces us, it's forced me in my district to really take a look at the applicants and who's getting an interview and who's not, right? And just diversifying that process results in a more diversified staff that get the opportunity to be seen in front of administrators. So really just examining your data through multiple lenses is my tip. You know, I thought about that earlier when, when you were talking about, or I think uh, Charity was talking about diversity isn't just what race are you, what culture are you, right. but now it expands beyond beyond. It can be into how many languages do you speak? It could be, you know, right. what are your hobbies? I mean, there's so mm -hmm. many. And I was thinking it, it, you may already have one, but it would be wonderful to have some sort of a tool of all of the different attributes so that a district could really pull data that would be much more um, rich than simply gender, race, which is the kind of the typicals that-, that Right, we for. right, yes. Once you guys get that tool out, you know, let, you know, let me know. <laughs> yeah. Rebecca, what's the one tip that you would offer? I'm going to build on my colleagues and I'm saying that once you go through all of this, support the teachers. Make sure that you appreciate them, invest in them, professional development, stopping in, supporting them, believe in them. If somebody's doing something and you're not sure that's the right thing, sit with them and say, explain to me why you're doing it this way and show me the results. Instead of saying, we don't do it that way or that's not the way I've ever seen it done. Again, there has been a study. I mean, we spend a lot of money in hiring and training and getting people into the classroom. Well, then why wouldn't you continue that support instead of throwing all that money away and saying at the end of the year, uh, maybe I'm not going to renew this person, when in reality, maybe they weren't given the full chance. And that is especially true when you hire diverse candidates. It's very easy to say, oh, we hired this person and it just didn't work out. But did you do those things? Did you let the person know how grateful you were as a district, as a building, as a colleague, that you were grateful to work with anybody that's new to the district, newly hired? Do we give them everything they need to be successful? That toolkit that they need. And do we believe in them? We saw something in them when we hired them. They must have come out of a huge pool of people, and we thought they were going to be spectacular. We have to show that we're supporting that and that we do believe in them so that they will then come on and be our recruiters for other people. Oh, you know, I'm working with Erin, and she's fabulous in our district. Look what Charity's doing in there. Look what's going on over here. And then people want to come. There is a quiet uh, line of communication amongst people who don't have jobs or people who want to jump ship and go to another district of, you need to be in that district. They care about their people. And I think that's what we're all about anyway, but we just have to find more ways to show it. Well, great tips from all of you. And cjpride.com is the place you can go. And there are resources on the site too. So even if you're not a member, there's goodies that you can find there. Thank you so much, Erin, Charity, Rebecca, for being here with me today and sharing about CJ Pride. Uh, I really appreciate it. And I will, I will end with a comment that Rebecca made um, when we first kind of got online together which was a quote that she likes. If you can't see it, you can't be it. Diversity counts. Well, that's a wrap. 
I'm glad you could join me. I hope you'll subscribe, like, and share this podcast and help me spread the word about the power of learning. Till next time.